Okay, this is Tuesday's portion of Ha'azinu. And we are up to chapter 32, verse 7. So we have here a continuation of Moshe's um, words here in general of rebuke. Of course, in the end, it turns to one of comfort. It says here in verse 7, Remember the days of old. Understand the years of generation after generation. Ask your father and he will relate it to you, your elders, and they will tell you. So remember, meaning remember, Rashi explains, what God did to those who came earlier and caused anger before him from generation after generation. So which generation are they referring to here? Rashi says referring to the generation of Enosh. Enosh was the first generation that began to serve idols. The consequence of that sin, it says that the waters of the Mediterranean rose up and flooded the world at that time, the Fertile Crescent area, and a third of mankind drowned. And from generation to generation, remember the generation of the flood. That was several generations later, of course, where God washed away the whole world besides nine people. Or, that's one understanding of generation to generation, these two generations that suffered these great calamities, Mediterranean rising and a third of mankind being washed out, and then even more, the flood that rained and caused the flooding of almost the entire mankind. Or, if you haven't set your heart on the path to learn its lessons, understand the years of generation after generation. Recognize for the future that God has the power to do good to you and to give as your portion the days of the Messiah and the world to come. It says, ask your father and your elders. So your father refers to the prophet, they refer to the fathers, and the elders are referred to as the sages, and they will tell you of the previous events. Now, we'll continue with the next verse. So what are we going to tell here? When the Supreme One gave nations their portion, they separated the children of man, he set the borders of peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. So when God allotted to those who anger him the share that was appropriate to them, what was the appropriate share he gave them? Well, he flooded them. He drowned them. He washed them away. That was the share that was appropriate to them based on their actions. Remember this. But he separated the children of man. This is, of course, by the Tower of Babel. And at that point, of course, he could have removed them from the world. He didn't do so. He preserved them. He did not destroy them. To the number of the children of Israel, why did he not destroy them? Because of the number of the children of Israel. I mean, because of the children of Israel, they're going to come forth from the descendants of Shem. And those children of Israel are going to number 70 souls. That's the number of Jews that went to Egypt. Based on that, he sent the borders of the people 70 people, characterized by 70 languages. For God shares his people, Yaakov, Jacob, the portion of his possession. So why is God doing all this? Why is he making so sure, so to speak, setting up the world according to the Jewish people? Because his share is hidden among them. And it's supposed to emerge. What do I mean his share? His people. Who is his people? Jacob. 
Yaakov, the robe of his possession. Jacob is the third of the patriarchs, who has a triple merit. His grandfather's merit, Abraham. His father's merit, Isaac. And his merit. So he has like a three-stranded rope. Because the three-stranded rope, it's, it's very, very strong. To the next verse. He found him in a desert land and in the waste of a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He made him comprehending. He guarded him like the pupil of his eye. He found him in a desert land. He found them, the Jews, faithful to him in the land of the desert because in the land of the desert, that's where the Jews accepted the Torah and God's sovereignty and God's yoke. Not Ishmael, not Esau, but the Jewish people. In the waste of a howling wilderness, in this, this desolate land, we have these howling animals. And here the Jews followed faithfully. And they didn't say to Moses, they didn't say to Moshe, how do we go out to this desert, this, this desolate land? They followed, they believed, they trusted. It says he encircled him. So there in the desert, God encircled and surrounded them with the clouds putting them all around with a division in four directions. Took the tribes and divided them in four directions. And he's encircling them with the bottom of the mountain. It says he held them over the mountain over them. He made him comprehending because he gave us Torah, he gave us understanding. He guarded him against the snakes and serpents and scorpions and the nations. Like the people of the eye, the blackness, that's the eye. Because from that, the illumination goes out. In other words, that's how we see. Now, Ungolus, looking at this phrase, says Yusehu is from the idea of supplying needs. Matzah has that root etymology. So it's, he's, Ungolus is saying it means he supplied all the needs in the desert and he encircled him. According to Ungolus, this refers to the camp. Around his divine presence, and the next verse, like an eagle arousing his nest, hovering over his young, he spreads his wings, he takes it, he carries it on his. Wings. Well, like the eagle, this, this verse, there's a lot of, it's interesting, a lot, a lot of Hasidic discourses, specifically from the whole Hazinu, on this verse, on this vision of this eagle, on this compassionate eagle. There's lots, we're not going to go into it here, but there's lots of deep meanings with this idea of the eagle, or like the eagle, and the compassion of the eagle, or the compassion like the eagle. So here Rashi is saying, very simply, that God leads us with mercy and compassion like this eagle that's merciful toward his children. Now, how do we see the eagle's merciful? But he doesn't suddenly enter his nest. He's flapping, he's shaking over his children with his wings so that the children can handle him coming in. He's arousing the nest. He's awakening the children. And he's hovering over them. He doesn't rest on them with all of his might. He's covering them. He's touching and not touching. This is what God did to us. When God gave us the Torah, he didn't come to us from one direction because that would have been too overwhelming. 
to attend, so he came from all four directions. It says that he's spreading his wings and taking it. So just like with this bird, the eagle, this eagle does not take his children with its feet from place to place. All the other birds do because their fear is the eagle. The eagle doesn't have to fear himself. So the eagle, he has only one fear for his young, which is the arrow. So since the only thing he's fearing is the arrow, he's carrying his children on his wings. Why is he carrying them on his wings? He says, better than an arrow should enter me and not my children. And this is what God did. Right, that when we were coming out of Egypt and the Egyptians were pursuing us, God's representative, uh, the angel, the clouds, it moved between the Egyptian camp and the Jewish camp to absorb whatever the Egyptians would throw at us. So just like the eagle, this compassion would put his body before his child's body, God, so to speak, put himself before the harm should reach the body of the Jewish people. God alone guided him, and there was no foreign God with him. The last verse, God guided him assuredly in solitude. He led us in the desert. There's no foreign gods with him. Not one of the gods of the world, so to speak, had power to show his strength and to wage war with the Jewish people. Another way of looking at this verse is all reference to the future. Now, we know that all words spoken here are words of admonition calling heaven and earth to witness and the Jewish people to witness. But in the end, Jews are going to betray God. And they're not going to remember. They're not going to remember the past that God took for them. And they're not going to remember what's happening, what he's supposed to do for them in the future. So this phrase really, in a sense, looking back at the past and looking at the present future, it's all, it's all the same. The same concept. So when we say remember the days of old, It both is those past tense, and it also is the present and the future.